is ready to rock today, Fire Nation. JLD here with an audio master class for the ages. The seven steps to creating wealth through brand equity with Burnt Almond. And why is it for the ages? Well, this is a guy, Burnt, who's worked with Jennifer Lopez, Adam Levine, Nicki Minaj, and many, many others. And even going to more detail, he is arguably the world's leading expert in celebrity and brand development, brand management, licensing and distribution and monetization and all that jazz. And he's contributed to the successful launches of brands for clients, again, including J-Lo, Adam Levine, Nicki Minaj, and so many more. We tell some amazing stories during this. And let me be honest, he tells some amazing stories during this episode because it is truly an audio master class on the seven steps to creating wealth through brand equity. And it has some real guidance for people like you and me, Fire Nation. And wow, I was taking notes. I hope you do too. And we'll dive in when we get back from thanking our sponsor. Fire Nation, it's time to take control over your income. To do that, you need to have the skills to solve a serious problem in the marketplace, like helping businesses acquire more customers. That is a skill that most companies don't know how to do profitably because they don't teach it in schools. My friend Billy Jean is a master when it comes to acquiring customers for all sorts of businesses and has charged up to $30,000 a month to provide this simple but not easy service. To learn how you can do this too, visit Watch billysvideo.com to access his free training today. So what's up, Burnt? Say hello to Fire Nation and then share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. All right. Well, hello, hello, Fire Nation. So excited and fired up to be here. Yes. Thank you, John Lee Dumas. Fabulous. Thank you. Okay. So, 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 so what I probably... Um, would like to to share that most people don't know. You you may hear that I'm speaking with an accent. A lot of people do not know where it's from. Most people think uh, it's from Brooklyn since I you know work in New York City. I'm actually from Norway. And here comes the piece that absolutely very very few people know. I actually started uh, Scandinavia's first home delivery of pizza business back in the <laughs> early 80s. How about that? That is something wonderfully interesting that I bet a lot of people who think they know you, Burnt, did not know. That's exactly what we're looking for. And that could be a whole nother podcast episode. I mean, you are a true entrepreneur at heart. But Fire Nation, as you know, with the incredible introduction I gave of Burnt, I mean, it just was for me going through this introduction that my, my head was popping off. And then, you know, this conversation that we're having is going to be so valuable for you because it's an audio masterclass on the seven steps to to creating wealth through brand equity. And again, our spotlighted guest, our featured performer here is Burnt Allman. He's in the house. And I just want to start off, Burnt, because you've had so many experiences with so many people. We're going to be talking about some of them today. First and foremost, this was a person that I will say had a decent influence in my life just because I probably danced to his songs about 400 to 500 times during college. That was just something I did all the time. I loved to dance at different bars and clubs. And this guy was huge then. LL Cool J. I've always looked up to him for a number of reasons. But the first thing we're going to talk about is how LL Cool J hijacked $30 million. So what's the deal with that? Yeah, that's pretty cool. And yes, he, he was dominant. Dominant. Uh, dominant. He really was. And and quite frankly, uh, in order to get to the 30 million, need to back up a little bit because this is really a story about uh, a guy named Damon John 
uh, his partners and how they built a brand called FUBU, For Us, By Us. And they all grew up in Hollis, Queens. And guess who else was from the neighborhood? LL Cool J. And as they were building their business, recognizing that they needed more visibility and operating obviously on the limited budgets as many entrepreneurs do when they start out, they thought, okay, what better way to reach the masses than to le- leverage the fame and the reach of a superstar like LL Cool J. So LL uh, became a brand ambassador, spokesperson, and had close ties. At the same time, Gap, another big familiar name, felt they had lost some relevance with the youth markets. How to recapture that youth generation? Well, they thought, what better than to reach out to LL Cool J. Let's get the superstar and let him uh, be featured in a large national campaign. That campaign was a $30 million national campaign. They asked LL Cool J to do a rap for them. And, and he concurred. At the time, Gap did not have headwear. So LL asked if it was okay that he wore his own cap because he very often wore headwear. And they approved. Well, the, the long and the short is the cap says FB on the front. So he is in the Gap commercial, which is really shot most of the time from the waist up wearing a FUBU cap. And then if that's not enough, he's rapping, he's rapping about the Gap. But then in the middle of his rap, he goes, for us, by us, on the low. And for us, by us, that is FUBU. And there wasn't a kid out there in the clubs, in the bars, on the street that did not know that for us, by us, that was actually FUBU. And on the <laughs> low, it's just, just tell it, you know, don't, don't, don't tell the suits, right? So, so he dropped FUBU in the national commercial, and, and it was huge. This was televised everywhere, but it actually ended up working out all the way around. FUBU at the time was super hot. And quite frankly, all the kids knew the message, but the kids also thought it meant that you could now buy FUBU at the Gap stores. So it had the intended effect just for different reasons. The kids went you know, all out and visited the Gap stores, but it launched FUBU. Boom, like that. That's an incredible story, Bert. I love hearing those type of things. Like We've actually had Damon John on the show uh, three times now over the past few years. And his story about just having one shirt, one FUBU shirt, and just going around to different people like LL Cool J and others and being like, can you wear this? Can you wear this when you do this next you know, rap or video or whatever it might be? And then them doing that, then him taking it off their back and being like, okay, we need this back now, washing it, or sometimes not even washing it, and giving it to the next person and being like, can you wear this? I mean, Fire Nation. People who you look up to right now, people who you admire, they started the same place that you're starting. And that is absolutely nowhere with just, you know, the brains in their head, the sweat that they could just create sweat equity with, and they just worked their little booties off. Here I'm talking to Burnt, you know, who's, you know, incredible clients like Jennifer Lopez, Adam Levine, Nicki Minaj, so many others. And, you know, we're talking earlier about how in the the 1980s, early 1980s, you know, he's launching the first pizza delivery service. I mean, this is incredible stuff that you just talk about. And this is why we are all standing upon the shoulders of giants and learning from those who have come before. So I want to move on because I think we have another great bullet point, Brent, but I want you to kind of maybe wrap that up with a bow. I mean, what's the big takeaway from that whole situation we just chatted about? 
Well, I, I think the takeaway is that um, if, if you don't have deep pockets uh, at the time, which I think most of us starting out, most uh, entrepreneurs out there, I'm going to think that many of the members of the Fire Nation may not necessarily have you know, millions of dollars to spend on marketing. Truth. Quite frankly, you know, going back to Damon, who we were talking about in his book, I want to say Power of Broke, I want to say uh, certainly we spoke of this, and he said to me that, you know, the reality is if I'd had a million dollars in my pocket when we started, we made so many mistakes in the beginning, we might have made a million dollar mistake. But we didn't have a million dollars, so we didn't. So you learn <laughs> from your mistakes. So, so what, what in essence I think that, you know, the bow, the bow here is that you have to innovate. Innovate or die, right? So uh, they were just incredibly in innovative. They came up with low-cost, uh, you know, solutions that dro drove brand visibility and built the brand. Fire Nation, innovate or die. Innovate or die. And just realize it's a mindset shift too. I mean, sometimes if you have that million, $10 million, $20 million, you're going to make that one $10, $20 million mistake that could be devastating. But when you don't, then you've got to get agile. You've got to be inventive. You've got to try new things. And that can be your biggest, inv and that can be your biggest advantage. Make it your biggest advantage. So one thing that I found really interesting when I was going through some of the things I wanted to talk about with you today is that you spent two days in Jennifer Lopez's closet. Now, I'm not exactly sure where this story is going, but I know that I have to hear it. So yes, uh, I did indeed. And, uh, but I will say right away, do not feel sorry for me. Uh, Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Lopez's closet is, is quite attractive. It's <laughs> larger than most people's living room and it's fully catered. So, so no Holy worries. But yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had a great time. But, but what we were doing there uh, is really we were focusing on something we call brand DNA. And brand DNA is really the essence of what makes your brand unique. And that can be any brand. So in the case of Jennifer Lopez, it's her personal brand, right? So we were there to kind of deliver, of her, deliver on her brand promise. And in order to do that, you need to first capture what is her brand. So... We spent two days in her closet to really look at what do you love? What do you wear most? Why? Is it about color? Is it about stretch? Is it about fit? So, so you want to kind of, when you look at branding, you want to find these essential attributes uh, that go back to the brand and makes the brand unique. And then you want to capture that and you want to kind of recreate that and repurpose that when you're building the brand so it becomes authentic. Right. Because at the end of the day, uh, strong brands, they all have to be authentic. They all have to be credible. They all have to be aspirational. So authentic, credible, aspirational. Um, very, very important when you deal with brands and, and building a brand. And so we spent the two days in the closet really just making sure that we got Jennifer's brand, that we captured her brand DNA. And I have to say, the result has been pretty good because we launched a collection. Uh, it was Jennifer Lopez and Mark Anthony, the husband at the time. And uh, we launched at Kohl's in what's called a DTR, direct-to-retail deal, and was billed at the time as the largest celebrity deal ever done. So uh, a lot of success for Jennifer uh, in her branding story.
Burn, what was your single favorite memory from that experience? I mean, that's two days, that's 48 hours. A lot of things happened. There was catering, there was hanging out, there were laughs. Maybe there were some tears, probably not, but who knows. But what was that single memory that just stands out to you, that one moment in time? You know, probably how, how normal Jennifer is. You know, you, you, you read, you hear, there are all these, she's like this, she's that. You know, sometimes you hear, you know, words that are not necessarily flattering. Right. And, 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 and you build this, you know, image in your mind um, of what this person is going to be like. But the reality is she was just she couldn't have been more charming, more down to earth, more real, more in the moment, more hands on. And, and quite frankly, and as you know, and as we covered in my intro, I have dealt with a lot of kind of high profile celebrities and A-listers. And I have to say what a lot of them have in common is that they have this uncanny vision. They have this dream. Um, they have this overarching objective for themselves and their personal brands. And they're unrelenting, uncompromising in delivering, again, on their personal brand mm. promise. So th that's really powerful. And I say that's probably what stood out the most. She was so in the moment so so engaged and and so clear in in what she was looking for and uh no one was going to make her waver from that <laughs> well i'm gonna stay unrelenting myself here because mm -hmm. i would mm -hmm. love to know one of those moments like what was that one moment where you actually said to yourself wow that's j-lo like this is what makes her special like what was one of those moments that you're referring to here Probably, so I wasn't alone in the closet. And um, so I was there with the signers, and they all came in there with their own kind of visions, ideas, thoughts of uh, what was going to sell. And, and it's interesting. So they're coming in just, you know, with a, a load of information. And this is not to take anything away from anyone, but when you're coming in with historic data, the reality is it's kind of a little bit like driving a car by looking in the rear view mirror, right? So you're going forward, but you're looking in the rear view mirror. That's not really a good idea. So they're coming with yesterday's news. They were coming loaded with what sold, you know, last season. Yeah. And they want to say, hey, we know that this is going to be great. And I probably would say uh, what stood out the most was it could have been easy for Jennifer to defer. Here they are, you know, senior executives at the large national retailer with a lot of information saying, this is what the consumers want, so this is what you should do. And she said, no, this is not on brand. This is not my brand. And, and you know, in spite of them all being there, in spite of them being lined up uh, behind one vision, sh she knew what was right for her brand. And we ended up going, you know, in, uh, and following her direction. Well, having lived in Puerto Rico myself for the last two years, I'm proud of what Jennifer Lopez stands for, Shirley. And Fire Nation, I want to turn this on to you now. Like, ask yourself this. Like, what lengths are you, like, willing to go to actually get to know your perfect customer? I mean, Burnt went into Jennifer Lopez's closet for two days because he was committed to actually and completely getting to know everything about Jennifer Lopez so that he could create the best final product for her. So that's the first thing. And number two, what lengths are you going to go to deliver an amazing experience 
that's worthy of your brand. Think about how Burns talking about how protective Jennifer Lopez is of her brand and her vision so clear and she's not willing to compromise. Fire Nation, how much are you willing to compromise on your brand? And I hope the answer is you're not. Like have that clear vision and then don't compromise. This is you. So Burn, those are kind of my big takeaways from what we just chatted about. Why don't you kind of wrap this one up in a bow as well and just kind of maybe give a final piece of thought or guidance in this area. 100%. And, and I think it really comes down to having one vision, one mission, and, and, and executing on your vision. I can say there's so many examples. Uh, as you heard from, you know, in, in the intro, I also ran uh, Fat Fashions mm. for Russell Simmons, Kamora Lee Simmons, you know, uh, for five years. And I was ahead of that company. We had Fat Farm, we had Baby Fat. And, uh, I remember at the time, uh, Russell's fat farm was really classic with a twist. That was the mantra. And he received this order. It must have been at least 50,000 hockey jerseys. And hockey jerseys were really hot back then. They were great. And they were not cheap. This was a multi-million dollar order. And Russell ultimately turned it down because in his mind, it was not on brand. So it wasn't classic with a twist. And, you know, he ended up getting rewarded richly because he built a very, very powerful brand and he sold that brand for $100 million plus, actually $140 million. So that was what he created by just sticking to his brand message. So there's a lot of power in, in consistency. So, Bern, I think you might like this um, because you just shared one mission, one vision. And I just love that theme and I'm so myself passionate about that. And so like, one of my favorite words in the incomplete um, American dictionary is focus, focus. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I love that, because I actually also turn it into an acronym, focus, follow one course until success, focus. I do love that. That's powerful. Burnt, buddy, listen, it's my gift to you. Use it whenever and however you want. I'm taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) So listen, Fire Nation, we've all played the game Hangman before. I mean, my niece and nephew were just visiting myself in Puerto Rico here not too long ago. And what did we do? We sat down at the kitchen table and we said, let's play a little game of Hangman. It's just a fun game. And what I thought was really interesting was the fact that Tommy Hilfiger used the game Hangman to promote his now iconic billion dollar fashion brand. So Burnt, what is the story behind this? Well, so so it's a great story. Um, and, and first, let's just start out uh, with a tiny bit of correction. I'm not going to make it a habit, but the Tommy Hilfiger brand, probably seven and a half billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, again, going back to one man with a vision, right. unrelenting execution, seven and a half billion dollars. But going back to your question, so how did he launch? Once it was time to really come out with his own brand, um, you know, he he has a very powerful network. Did even back then, uh, interesting creative people surrounding him. And we often say, and I'm sure you you've heard this before, your network is your net worth. Yes. So he was tapping his network to build his net worth, and they came up with this hangman campaign, and they launched. And this is long before the digital age, and they came out with this billboard in Times Square in New York City. And it said, said something along the lines of the four most powerful designers for men are. 
And then there was, you know, an R and some blank spaces and an L and some blank spaces. And everybody knew it was Ralph Lauren. <laughs> and then there was another guy and it started with a C and some blank spaces. And then uh, the last name was with a K and an L and, you know, a couple of blank. And again, Calvin Klein. Was, yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> the third guy was big at the time, uh, not as well known now. He was Perry Ellis, so there was a P and R's and, you know, E's. Oh, you still should have quizzed me on it. I might have got that. I don't think so. I think you probably might have. (laughs) (laughs) But but here comes then the kicker. And then there was one more, and it started with a T, and even though they put ages and whatever else they put in there, and, 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 you know, the last name. It was Tom. It was it was Tommy Hilfiger, and and you know people was they were kicking. Who is this? What is this? And that Hangman ad, in its own right, created such a stir. I mean, it, there were there were articles written about it, and and while it may have you know I, I would think rumor rumor has it that neither Ralph nor Calvin were particularly happy about it at the time. <laughs> It really launched the Tommy Hilfiger brand, and and the power is this is you know, you've all heard I'm sure in real estate location location location. Well, this is a version of that. This is the fashion world's version of that. It was by association, so fame by association by putting the Tommy name, the Tommy brand, right next to Ralph, Calvin, and Perry Ellis. It kind of established the Tommy Hilfiger brand as a leading menswear brand before it had really even, you know, launched. So very clever, very innovative, very creative, and ultimately highly effective. I mean, there's so many things that just gets my entrepreneurial mind running on this. And that that one thing, Fire Nation, is the snowball effect. I mean, once you can get a little momentum, and when Tommy Hilfiger got a little momentum with this ad, even though they might not have been thrilled with it at first, but then guess what? What was happening? People were writing articles about it. They were talking about it. They were like, check this out. Look at this. So now they paid for this ad, but now they're getting all this free publicity, all this free advertisement as just people are just yapping about it left and right, and what's happening now. And I just love that phrase you use, Burnt, fame by association. Fame by association. And I experienced this six years ago myself when I launched Entrepreneurs on Fire. And that was me having no fame whatsoever, but then interviewing within the first 90 days of my show, you know, people like Barbara Corcoran and... Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, now having interviewed people like Damon John, Tony Robbins, you know, Jack Canfield, like it just has allowed me to interview and have one-on-one conversations with these amazing people and then share with you, Fire Nation, and that has turned into fame by association. So that's just a great way to look at things. Like Tommy Hilfiger might not have been at their, their levels back then, but then everybody's like in one sentence, oh, it's Perry Ellis, oh, it's Calvin Klein, oh, it's Tommy Hilfiger. Like it's just that association type thing. So how can you do that in the brand that you're building? Again, this is just another step to creating wealth through the brand equity that you're creating, which is fame by association. So, Bert, what do you really want to make sure that we take away from this whole idea and this whole case study of Tommy Hilfiger? You know, again, innovation, it permeates almost anything we do. So, so I think innovation drives, you know, it, it really drives and fuels, I, I think, almost every entrepreneur and, and permeates really what 
what they all and what we all all stand for. So I think in, innovation is huge. I think another thing that's really important is trust. I think that's a powerful word. I think uh, when, when you are in particular dealing with consumer goods, but even, you know, any type of service industry, trust is huge. And I think what Tommy did, you know, all those years ago, I think he kind of bought a little extra trust by placing himself in the company of those already established and trusted brands. So by, by, by coming out and saying, hey, I, I am part of this group, I think the consumer felt, okay, if, if he sits next to Calvin and Ralph and Perry Alice, I can trust the Tommy Hilfiger brand. So you always want to figure out how, how to establish trust, how to connect with the consumer and have them trust you and trust your brand. Fire Nation, again, this is just me taking notes. Hopefully you're taking notes on the different great ways that people who have come before us and done this successfully have built wealth through brand equity. It is just there for us, for the taking. And this is why you're listening right now. And we're going to take a quick minute. We're going to chat with my buddy, Billy Jean, and then we'll be right back. Fire Nation, if you don't ever want to worry about your income, you need to acquire skills that solve a serious problem in the marketplace. Right now, there's a major problem every business in the world has, acquiring more customers. This is a skill that these companies will never learn on their own because they're too focused on the gazillion other things going on in their business. This is where you come in. You can acquire the skill set necessary to give the gift of new customers to these businesses through paid ads. It isn't an easy skill to acquire, and that's exactly why it's so valuable. Once you take the time and put in the effort to learn this skill, your craft becomes instantly desirable, and you can command premium dollars in exchange for your time and effort. The best part is, you can start learning how to do this today for free. My friend Billy Jean is a master when it comes to acquiring customers, and he has a free training that will teach you exactly how to do it in any niche. Visit watchbillysvideo.com to access his free training today. That's watchbillysvideo.com in order to acquire a skill set no one can ever take away from you. Ignite. So, Bern, we're back and there's just a few things that I would love to hear from you because you have so many great stories. I mean, we could do a part two, three, four, five, and hopefully you will join us at some point in the future for another episode because there's only so much we can do, you know, in one block here. But what was it like to be part of negotiating and closing the largest celebrity brand deal in history? I mean, you did that. Nobody else did that but you. So talk us through that story and what it was like. Yes, I don't know how to necessarily just summarize that in, in a quick chat. Because <laughs> Let's just tell a story then. Let's do it. <laughs> well, so that's ended up, you know, it, it was something that uh, obviously evolved over quite a time. So uh, very quickly, you heard in the intro, uh, just to kind of back it up a little bit. So one of the things that I did uh, in, in being kind of the CEO of Star Branding, um, in, in partnership with Tommy and Andy and and, and, and Joe, and, and setting out and saying, hey, stars can be brands, we ended up partnering with Lee and Fung, the largest apparel manufacturer in the world, and we created this entity called Mesh, Music Entertainment and Sport Holdings. And as the CEO of Mesh, I was the founding CEO of Mesh, we ended up having the rights to, to Jennifer. So we had the rights to Jennifer Lopez, we just didn't know exactly what to do. And we were sitting having a strategic meeting, really, 
And and we were talking to Coles at the same time, and and Coles really realized at that time that they had a new demographic uh, in the store, and so this was really several separate conversations, where I would say Tommy, above all else, deserves a lot of credit. He has this uncanny ability to see things very clearly, and it was Tommy that said, okay, so so Coles is saying we have this new shopper, this Latin shopper that's in our store, and while we have a lot of product, we don't necessarily have product that speaks to them uniquely. And similarly, they had this experience, both for men's and women. And it was really Tommy that said, well, why not create a Jennifer Lopez collection and a Mark Anthony collection, and launch them simultaneously addressing this audience. So that was the beginning, and then of course we ended up in protracted negotiations and there were a number of people of course involved you know on the Cole side on the Lee and Fong side um, there were managers representing Jennifer and and Mark but ultimately we were kind of the glue that tied it all together um, and and it became this very very powerful uh, partnership which is still going on today and it's highly successful today one thing that nobody really knows now which is just kind of, uh, and it shows how you just have to be prepared for everything. We had built, every, uh, you know, the collections, we have shot all the collateral material, everything was put together for a launch. We were within 30 days of launching. We had beautiful shops developed, posters, collateral material. This was a massive campaign and everybody deserves a lot of credit, including Coles, which made a big bet on this and invested heavily in making it work. I was, I remember, staying at Hotel Maurice, it's during the summer, and Maurice is in Paris, and it was back in the days of my Blackberry, and it's in the middle of the night because <laughs> of the time difference, and my Blackberry keeps on going on because, or going off, because, you know, as many entrepreneurs, I don't know if you guys are like me, but my phone is on 24-7. <laughs> so throughout the night, it's hopping, it's beeping, it's bopping, and eventually I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, this, this sleeping thing is not happening, so I, I'm going to address my BlackBerry. And, um, yeah, so Jennifer and Mark, within 30 days of the launch, when we were had shot the His and Her campaign and the shops were opening right next to each other, yeah, they announced their split <laughs> within oh. 30 days. Yeah, so that's you know what can happen, and uh, yeah, you just go back to work. You re reshoot all the campaign, rebuild the shops. It's no longer his and her. It was you know Mark Anthony for the guys. It was Jennifer right. Lopez for the women, <laughs> and and you know and off we went. And we had a <laughs> successful launch, and it was great. But yeah, it, it was a phenomenal deal, and and ultimately as we have touched on, it's billed as the largest celebrity deal ever done. Wow. There are purchasing projections of $3.5 billion for that deal. So Bern, something that didn't really exist when you first started off, just in life in general, and then in the industry, you know, was social media. But this has become something that is huge. I mean, you are now having Instagram influencers that can literally move more product than the front page of the New York Times or an appearance on the Today Show or in some cases, even Super Bowl ads. I mean, literally a mention from somebody like a Kim Kardashian or you know just somebody from a really specific macro influencer, Instagram, Facebook, social media in general can just have a huge, 
huge, huge impact. And sometimes, you know, we even call it the hug of death where the company's not even ready for it because they didn't realize how much inventory they're going to need or all this stuff. And it can really cause some problems because it has that much influence. So let's kind of talk through this as you've been before, during, and then of course, right now, as we're right in the middle of this, as it continues to grow, why do you think brands in today's marketplace must have a presence on social media? Well, I think that social media today has become one of the most trusted forms of communication. So I think what we're seeing, this is part of kind of a macro trend, I feel, where all kind of the power in transactions is shifting away from the early power players um, to, you know, there's the group that's going to stay in control for a long time to come. <laughs> that group is us. It's shifting to the consumer. So it used to be if you wanted to bring product to market, you had to go through one of the large national retailers. And if they didn't pick up your brand, if they didn't pick up Forget your about product it. offer, yeah, you were done. You were done. You went in, and, and, and it's not like that's not still going on. It, it is still going on. So you go in, you get a certain amount of time, often not enough. Very often you have to go to them, and your product might not lend itself to being you know, taken out of a bag or a suitcase and, and presented properly, but that's what what you have to do. And if the buyers don't pick it up, you know, you, you're not going into the store. Well, back then it was the kiss of death that didn't pick you, pick you up. It has changed. Now direct-to-consumer is, of course, the fastest growing part of the market. With that comes uh, means of communicating in a credible and authentic manner directly to the consumer. And that's what social media does. And that's the power of social media. And you're exactly right. There, this has spawned a whole new industry of influencers. And, you know, uh, back in the days, celebrities were A-list, B-list, or whatever celebrities, and it was really judged on Nielsen ratings and judged on, you know, how many people watched a movie or how many people bought uh, an album. But now I would say the new currency, the new way of measuring influencers and celebrities is really their social media following. So this is a new asset, and uh, some of them know how to unlock this asset. A lot of them don't know yet how to monetize it and unlocking it, and, and brands are, are often still struggling uh, to figure it out. So as you know, uh, I have started a company with my partner, Greg Ryder, and so called Celebrity Lifestyle Brands. And Celebrity Lifestyle Brands, that's really what we do. We help celebrities and open, or rather up-and-coming celebrities and influencers and, and, and we help them monetize this following. So we give them a platform and we help them market to their following. And, and it's really interesting because if you stop and think about it, in the olden days, it used to be that brands would spend millions of dollars on consumer research trying to anticipate consumer behavior. And now it's right there. If, if you as a brand know how to interact with social media, the consumer is telling you exactly what, the, what, what they want and what they're doing and what they like. And, and if you, for instance, uh, are, are dealing with a celebrity brand, well, their followers are saying, hey, I love everything Jennifer is doing or whatever, you know, whatever Nicki Minaj is doing or Adam Levine just tapping into some of the, the people I have worked with in the past. Uh, and, and so it's very powerful and you can obviously then tailor that information to how you communicate and, and what you bring in front of them. So super, super important, both for 
for brands and, and, and for the influencers and celebrities in their own right. Great opportunity. So Fire Nation, there's a lot of takeaways here. One thing that I do want to touch on right now is gatekeepers, they aren't dead in all situations, but they are on life support. I mean, they are on life support because there's maybe some situations where gatekeepers still are calling the shots in some things, but Fire Nation, if you're listening to my voice and to Burns' voice, you can make your media empire. You can go direct to consumer. There's nobody in your way. It's you. And if you create no like and trust, if you create a great solution to somebody's legitimate problem and you know how to help them solve that, then guess what? You can go directly to them. There is no barrier in place. I mean, this podcast you're listening to that gets over 1.3 million listens every single month now was started just six years ago, you know, from my loft in Maine. And now I'm at a place where I've generated well over $2 million just from sponsorships. And that's not even the biggest revenue generator that we have, but that's some people that want to pay to be to sponsor this show and to be talking about their products and services. That's just one of the revenue streams we've been able to create out of this. And I mean, I'm a micro, micro influencer when it comes to Instagram. I mean, I have 36,000 followers, you know, so I'm not in the hundreds of thousands or millions at all, but I've still been approached uh, by companies like Dove Men's Care and they paid me five figures for one post, you know, and, and you got to make sure again, going back to what we talked about earlier with Jennifer Lopez, how is this relevant to your brand? Don't just take things that come your way, but we were able to work it into how I do my morning routine. I was able to make it a very valuable experience for my listeners on what I do during my morning routine. Of course, one of those things is I do shower and, you know, Dove was able to make a legitimate, uh, make sense appearance in that, but that was a five figure um, scenario for one Instagram post for somebody like me, again, who's a micro-influencer. So there's real, real opportunities that are out there. And Bert, what I'm curious about for, for you is, because you talk with and have relationships and see the biggest players that are out there, who are a couple people that you see really doing this right? Like you mentioned, some people have figured it out, some people haven't. Who are the people that have really figured it out? Just a couple names. Probably I want to go to one example that you may not have thought of, but um, you mentioned Puerto Rico a couple of times. So an easy and natural association for me is Bethany Frankel, who I work with closely. And Bethany is one of the original housewives of New York, Mm. but she's also a guest shark on Shark Tank. And she's been invited back and Uh, The Shark Tank platform is growing for her, and she has her own real estate show. What a lot of people may not know, and the reason why I'm bringing her up in the context of Puerto Rico, is that she's actually credited with having undertaken the singular largest private relief mission in history uh, vis-a-vis Puerto Rico. Wow. Yeah, so she started out chartering planes. She sent 55 planes to Puerto Rico. Ultimately, the planes were not enough. They couldn't hold enough relief goods. She sent barges across, but she didn't only send stuff. She was on the ground before local government. She was in there with cash cards, putting it in people's hands. So this is someone that's done a lot of good, who has leveraged her platform, and now saying who is doing it right. Well, I'm watching her doing a lot of stuff right. She has over five. Over 5 million followers on social media. It's growing dramatically. She has sky-high engagement. 
with her audience. And being now on three different TV platforms, she has done an amazing job. So first she created a brand called Skinny Girl, and some of you may be familiar, Skinny Girl Cocktails, Skinny Girl Margaritas. And again, just to your audience here, Fire Nation, pay attention. She had really nothing other than drive starting out. And she ended up going and, and she started out as a natural food chef, competed on Marta Stewart's Apprentice. From there, uh, making a little bit of a mark for herself, didn't win. She got the opportunity to go on the Housewife show. That's where she created Skinny Girl. And she actually mm. sold the alcoholic beverage piece alone on her business for $100 million to Beam Centauri. Created it out of nothing, nowhere. It was a thought, it was an idea, she executed. And because she now is credible and authentic, I watched her just to get back to where we were. I watched her uh, engage on social media and she gets paid staggering amounts of money, I would say, because she doesn't do it all the time. Again, it goes back to what we, ta what we talked about earlier that great brands have to be authentic and credible and no different than the example you gave where, hey, it is credible. You, you have a morning routine, uh, Dove fit in in your routine and it was believable. Uh, that was lever leverageable into a revenue stream. You could monetize it. Similarly, I am watching her do that and because she doesn't do it for every brand, because she doesn't do it for everything, when she does, it is very, very valuable. But then there are, of course, others where we go to just um, the super influencers. And the super influencers are, of course, the ones that are doing this for a living. And I would say probably the most famous family, famous for being famous, is probably still the Kardashians, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's just an amazing empire over there. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Fire Nation, I hope you're starting to recognize the value of a brand. I mean, the Skinny Girl brands was worth $100 million to somebody. They paid that because of the brands, you know, not because of the contents inside. There's nothing special necessarily in those bottles. It was the brands. And success leaves clues. So study these people, hear what Bert's saying. You know, it's just so imperative that you recognize that success leaves clues. And Bert, today we've been chatting about creating wealth through brand equity. And we've given a lot of great examples and told some wonderful stories about it. Why don't you just maybe take a second here, you know, kind of give us a summation on what you're feeling, thoughts that might be going through your mind after the conversations that you and I have had today that you think Fire Nation should really be focusing on uh, before we say goodbye. So, yeah, that's great. And th this has, you know, been so much fun. And you're right. There's so much else we can cover. <laughs> yeah. but I, I think, uh, to me, the power of brand equity is really uh, what I would like people to take away. So. So firstly, a brand, which is just, you know, your brand is just anything that I would say distinguishes you and or your products from the competitors, right? And, and brand equity is that trust that you build in your brand. So it's really you know, the value of your brand in the mind of the consumer. And, and what I think we didn't spend enough time talking about is simply that, that value is, is a function of how you or your brand makes the consumer feel. Powerful brands are emotive brands, and emotions really matter. And I, I often say that, you know, the consumer, they may forget what you say, they may even forget what you do, 
they will never ever forget how you make them feel. Boom. So that's pretty powerful. That's really important to keep in mind. You should think about that in every action and every interaction you have. And, and, and the other part I want to say, why am I so excited about brand and brand equity? Because if you don't have brand equity, what are you really left to compete on? If there's nothing unique, if there's nothing that sets you and, and, and your service apart, what are you left to compete on? The answer is price. You are left to compete on price and you will find yourself in a death spiral race to the bottom because there will always be someone out there willing to work on a lower margin, a lower price than you. So death spiral race to the bottom, not a good place to be. That's why we love brands and brand equity. So I think you're going to like this as well, Bernd. This is actually from Seth Godin and he shares the problem with the race to the bottom is that you just might win. You just might win. And what are you winning? You're winning nothing. And he even says, I love how he finishes off, he says, or even worse, you come in second place. Because <laughs> <laughs> what's worse than coming in second place to the race to the bottom? Because you have just taken away everything of value. And Bert, I have to highlight this one quote that you share because I think it sums up so well everything that we've been talking about and what you've really just built your genius on, which is, your brand is what distinguishes you from your competitor. I mean, Fire Nation, think about that. Your brand is what distinguishes you from your competitor. I mean, a peanut is a peanut is a peanut, but what's the brand? What is your brand? How are you distinguishing yourself from your competitor? How are you making them feel? You know, that wonderful quote, they'll, fo- they'll, they'll forget all those things except how you make them feel. So how are you make? how are you making your customers, your clients, your listeners, your viewers, how are you making them feel? And Fire Nation, you know this. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. A great Jim Rohn quote. And you've been hanging out with myself and Burnt Ullman all day today. So keep up the heat. Find another couple of people that are going to up your average just like you've done by hanging out with us today. And Burnt, I know that you have a great gift for Fire Nation. I have the URL right here, which we're going to be directing people towards. Do you want to maybe take a second, talk about that and share it? Or do you want me to do that? Maybe you will do that in more detail. What I can say is um, we have a course that's called the, the seven steps to creating wealth, to building brand equity. And the team has put together uh, a gift for the Fire Nation. And you can find it at burnolman.com forward slash EOF, EOF people. Fire Nation, I know that you've been recognizing the value and the importance of building a brand and getting that brand equity. So there's nobody that I've ever spoken to that to me really epitomizes this more. So I know that I'm going to be going through this because I'm always wanting to be learning. I'm always going to want to be consuming. So make an effort, head over to Burnt's website. That's Burnt Ullman, B-E-R-N-T-U-L-L-M-A-N-N, burntullman.com slash E-O-F. If you're driving right now, or you're running on the beach, and you're like, that's a lot of L's and a lot of M's, guess what? I get it. You can also, as always, just head over to eofire.com. If you type Burnt in the search bar, then this entire episode show notes page is going to come up with links to everything. And of course, this is going to be the featured link which is the seven steps to creating wealth through brand equity. And we're going to be taking you through that training that Burnt has at burntolman.com. 
com slash EOF. And Bernd, I want to thank you, brother, for taking the time today to chat with me, for sharing your journey with Fire Nation. And for that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. John, it's been a true pleasure. Fire Nation, keep on firing. Unbelievable. Thank you so much, John. So again, we'll see you on the other side. Hey, Fire Nation, hope you enjoyed our chat with Burnt today. And let's be honest, you probably have a big goal that you want to accomplish. Well, the Freedom Journal is key because you can just follow my step-by-step guidance and you will accomplish that number one goal that you have in just 100 days. So visit thefreedomjournal.com. Use promo code podcast as a little gift and thank you from me to you for listening to my podcast. And then I will catch you there or I'll catch you on the flip side. Fire Nation, if you don't ever want to worry about your income, you need to have skills that solve a serious problem in the marketplace, like helping businesses acquire more customers. This is a skill that most companies will never learn on their own because they are too focused on the gazillion other things going on in their business. My friend Billy Jean is a master when it comes to acquiring customers and has charged up to $30,000 a month to provide this simple but not easy service. To learn how you can do this too, visit Watch Billy's video.com to access his free training today.